Hi, welcome to Broadway Assembly Church Podcast. We are excited for you to be joining us today. If you want to get a notification of the most recent uploads, please subscribe to our podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. We can't rejoice about that, and we better just have a reality check. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. Glory to God. Well, I'm done singing. If you're done playing, we'll go to the Word. Um, it has been an eventful week. Uh, this past Friday, uh, historic day, wasn't it? Historic day. Praise God. Absolutely. We rejoice and we celebrate the answer to a prayer that's been prayed for 50 years and uh, prayer of uh, overturning Roe v. Wade and uh, that takes it out of uh, federal constitutional protection, hands it back to individual states um, and some have already uh, said that they plan to uh, totally outlaw abortion and uh, now we can't bring back the lives that have been lost to abortion um, great injustice though in a sense we thank God that it's been corrected um, countless lives will be saved because of this decision and uh, now more than ever before we as a church and as a church world, must continue to prioritize uh, caring, caring for uh, others and children. And uh, how many know there is, though, uh, cause to pray? Uh, lots of work to be done yet. Uh, somebody said, you know, you can, you can win a battle, but not the whole war yet. Um, that's kind of the situation there. We still... Uh, fight for life, and uh, we've got a large element in our country uh, who Christ predicted uh, that in the last days, folks will call good evil and evil good. That's what we've seen on display in our nation uh, recently. And um, I tell you, we need to pray for our churches, pray for Uh, lawmakers, and uh, as they continue to move forward, uh, we need to continually shine the light of God's glorious gospel into a dark culture, and uh, we know that Christ is the only answer, and so I want us just to take a moment, we're going to pause in this service right here, and we're going to thank God answer in a prayer that the church has prayed. So stand with me and let's, let's just thank the Lord together. Father, our nation, Lord, has prayed a prayer for many years and especially on Sanctity of Life Sunday. For many years we have prayed that you would intervene and give us judges that would be uh, judges that uh, will stand on the side of life 
and the Constitution, uh, being textualists and originalists. Father, I thank you for answering that prayer. And although there is a battle, though, that's raging on, I pray that your hand would rest of protection and that life would win in the end. Hallelujah. We're trusting you, we're believing you, and we don't ever want to forget to thank you for the prayers that you do answer. Uh, and we just pause right now to do that. In Jesus' name, to God be the glory. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Wonderful Lord. Take your Bibles. Um, you can be turning to Luke chapter 13. We appreciate all those who participated in the camp work day yesterday. Um, several came out and got several of the cabins cleaned up, the kitchen cleaned. And uh, so that was, that was tremendous. And I appreciate we have a camp committee who works out there tirelessly, endlessly, uh, keeping that place uh, looking great. It's looking good already. And uh, just, um, just work so hard. They don't really like to be appointed out or any, uh, you know, accolades. But we, we do um, believe they deserve uh, just recognition. And... Um, they, they uh, like I said, work tirelessly, and so we appreciate all the many hours that our camp committee uh, spends out there. They do a wonderful job. Raise your hand if you're on the camp committee. That's okay. Raise your hand if you're on the camp committee right over here in the back there, um, and and we could probably use some more. So, uh, so brothers, if, uh, if you have some time, on your hands and uh, can, can just channel it that direction. That would be a wonderful thing. Um, tonight's service, we plan to uh, just let the Lord have his way. Uh, 6.30, 6 o'clock prayer time in the prayer room. Next Sunday, uh, there's going to be a little change in our schedule with it being July the 3rd. Uh, we're going to have morning service here as usual. Then uh, come and join us out at the camp. At 1.30-ish, we'll get off to uh, just having a picnic out there together as a church, uh, just all-church dinner. And so uh, we'll just take some time to Sunday afternoon just to fellowship and have plenty of good food and relax and uh, just uh, build relationships. And so the night service next Sunday will be canceled, and uh, we'll just... Uh, We'll just end it with uh, what we've got going on at camp uh, next Sunday afternoon. All right? Praise the Lord. Um, the Pop Pyramid, still under construction back there. Help us out if you can. Uh, we still need uh, workers for camp. So if you have any questions, see Sister Sandy or myself uh, for camp. And we're looking forward to a good, good year. All right, let's go to uh, the scripture this morning for a few minutes. Uh, Luke chapter 13, Luke chapter 13, uh, verses 1 through 5. <clears throat> if you're there, say amen. There were present at that season some that told him, that's Christ, of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. 
And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things. Question mark. Remember that that's a question mark that Christ is asking. But then he goes on. It's a rhetorical question. He's going to answer it himself in the next verse. He said, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And then he goes to another story. Or those 18 upon whom the story of, or excuse me, the tower in Siloam fell and slew them. Think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? Question mark. Answers another question. I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Well, well, well. Didn't Christ make it simple? Right? That's why I'm going to talk about limited options. Limited options. Father, thank you, Lord, for the Gospels. Thank you for this passage in the Gospels that simplifies so much for us in our generation. I pray that our eyes be open to see your truth, our ears to hear your voice, and our minds to understand it all. And Lord, inspired, Lord, to act upon your word. And these things we ask in Jesus' name. All God's children say amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. You going to help me preach for a few minutes here? Oh, good, 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 good. Um. One of the greatest blessings ever given to us by our Creator is, is the ability to choose and decide for ourselves. Uh, we refer to this gift as the human will. Uh, Brother uh, Grant Ralston mentioned the gifts that uh, God gives us as humans, and he mentioned earlier about memory. Uh, and uh, I think I thought he was going to continue on and, and get this one for me and go ahead and introduce this thought. Uh, another one of those, along with memory, would be this gift uh, of the human will. Uh, we use our will uh, thousands of times during the day, don't we? Um, I think it's the words of Eleanor Roosevelt that ring true here. She she said, one's philosophy is not best expressed in words. It's expressed in the choices one makes. In the long run, we shape our lives and we shape ourselves, and the process never ends until we die. Choices we make are ultimately our responsibility. And so our will is active every moment, and it is displayed in our generation today by the value that we place on what we call options. Everybody say options. You've probably come to a place where you need to make a decision and you say, well, what's my options? We like options, don't we? Three people in here like options. Let me ask you, 
How many ice cream fans we got in here? Oh, good. IR12. But I wonder if I was to ask what's your favorite, how many would just say vanilla? Okay, we've got, got two, three. Well, we've got a few. You plain vanilla folks. Nothing wrong with that. As for me, you know, I, I, I'm, I find myself taking seasons. You know, for a season, it was butter pecan. Right? Right now, I'm in a season where it's rocky road. Get some chocolate and some marshmallow cream and some nuts. Oh, I done got you out of the spirit. But often we're not satisfied with chocolate or vanilla, unless you're these folks. That's why if you go to look it up, we have about a thousand different flavors of ice cream to choose from. And that number grows annually. We've got, uh, I, 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 I found out we have a lobster flavored ice cream. We've got a sweet sriracha. We've got uh, mac and cheese. Mac and cheese ice cream. Dill pickle. Somebody say options. Yeah. How about, have you been to Sonic lately? The drive-in? The Sonic Restaurant Corporation boasts of more than 168,000 drink combinations. Talk about options. If you combine their fountain drink flavors with their slushy flavors, that even pushes it they said to over a million different flavor combinations. Now, heaven forbid that you don't already know what flavor you want when you get to the microphone at the drive-thru because if you have to sort through a million different flavors, you better pray I'm not in the car behind you waiting. What about coffee shops lately? In the past, it was regular or decaf. You've been to Starbucks lately, you were reminded. And if you went to their website, it boasts of 87,000 different flavor combinations. We like options. I thought it interesting, Dr. Susan Weinchink. She's a behavioral psychologist, author, coach, consultant, and neuropsychology professor. She, she wrote this idea of options and how we value them in our generation. And she said, you might think that if you just tell a person the best way to do something, they'd be glad to have the choice made for them. But she said, studies reveal that we don't really want things that easy. It, she said, given an easy way to accomplish a task versus a way that makes life difficult, guess what? We often choose the way that's more complicated. And she determined that it's because we love to have control. And 
In a book called The Art of Choosing, author Sheena Eininger describes research that they studied in rats, monkeys, pigeons, and people. And these rats were given a choice of a direct path to food or a path that had various routes, therefore requiring those rats to make choices which way to go. Both paths and all the routes resulted in access to the same food in the same amount. All the rats wanted was just food, then they should take the short, direct path. That's the idea. But the rats, she said, continuously preferred the path that had various routes. The experiment with monkeys and pigeons were... They learn to press buttons to get food. If given the choice between one button or multiple buttons, both monkeys and pigeons preferred multiple buttons. And then in similar uh, research with humans at a casino, uh, and I'm not even going to go through all that because I don't understand it, but basically they said people preferred multiple options in gambling. Now, even though it's not necessarily true, uh, she said, we equate having choices with having control. We like having choices because it makes us feel in control. We won't always choose the fastest way to get something done because we want to feel that we are powerful and that we have choices or options. We like to think that we're in control, that we can do things our preferred spiritual way oftentimes and everything will be all right at the end. And we like to think that there's many different roads that lead us to heaven. And I thought it interesting. I, I read a, a Pew Forum uh, survey, and they said 57% of evangelical church attenders said they believe many religions can lead to eternal life. 57% of evangelical church attenders said they believe many religions can lead to eternal life. How many know that's direct conflict with orthodox Bible teaching? Like uh, talk show host Oprah, God bless her, she says in her program, when it comes to heaven, and I quote, there couldn't possibly be just one way. That's a direct quote. I hear that and I think, does Oprah know something Christ didn't know? Or did Christ know something Oprah doesn't know? No offense, Oprah, but I'm putting my money on Jesus. And a text like ours today shows us our limited options. Because here Christ simplifies it, does he not? When he says, look folks, it's either repent or perish. In a culture of unlimited options, Christ drastically reduces the playing field to just one or the other. And here's what that looks like in practical terms, and it's actually very factual. Because how many know if we don't pay the light bill, electricity gets turned?
turned off. You don't pay your phone bill, service is disconnected. Don't pay your car payment, repossession. Don't pay your mortgage, the bank forecloses on your home. Somebody say, not many options there. Then why is it in our generation we think we have unlimited options when it comes to how to get to heaven? And Christ in the Gospels was constantly reminding his hearers that there's basically only two options, repent or perish. And to understand this passage, it's essential to understand one word, and it's a word that's used in Scripture often, and uh, it could be argued that nothing pleases God more than this, and this word is despised by our culture. It's sadly even despised among some Christians as well. Some churches, without shame, simply refuse to mention in this word. Yet it is among the first words mentioned by both John the Baptist and Christ. Look it up. It's this word we're referring to here, repentance. Now you say, then what's repentance? Well, repentance is understanding where we fall short of God's expectations as they are revealed in the Scripture, and by God's grace, it is changing our mind and changing our heart and our actions to be more in line with God's will. Repentance is simply making a complete break with sin. Some call it a 180. Uh, and in its place, we pursue righteousness. Now, there is a couple different kinds of repentance here. There's an ongoing repentance mentioned in Scripture that all Christians do, and, and that's what it means to grow in, Christ, in Christ-likeness, okay? So there's this ongoing repentance. But then there's this general repentance that we do when we initially come to Christ, and that is primarily, I think, what Christ is talking about here in chapter 13. Embracing Christ means believing in Him and His work on the cross and turning from our sin to follow him for the rest of our lives. All right? There are a lot of people that believe in Christ, but how many of them have truly turned to him in repentance? Today, God is not just looking for converts. How many know that's a fact? God is not just looking for converts. And according to Luke 9, 23, he wants people that's devoted to following him without reserve who takes up their cross daily and follows him. And so the master teacher uh, here in the text gives us a lesson on repentance using two different stories. All right, let's take a look at them. Story number one. We find from the text that some people from the district of Galilee, hence Galileans, were either on their way to make a sacrifice at the temple or were perhaps in the process of making a sacrifice, and they encountered Pontius Pilate, or more likely some of his uh, soldiers, we're not for sure, but Pilate, you know, he was the Roman leader of the area who would in the future be politically responsible for the crucifixion of Christ, okay? But here these Galileans... Uh, likely uh, encountered representatives of Pilate, and these Galileans perhaps must have been looked at as planning an insurrection, okay, against Rome. And so these Galileans were murdered. To make matters worse, these Romans who killed them mixed their blood with the animal blood of the sacrifice they were offering. 
It seems these Galileans somehow had provoked the wrath of Rome, even though Rome was known to overreact. How many is following me? And so to the Jews, this story, perhaps it had just came across the headlines. It was a tragic story, rightfully so. The slaughter of Jewish people, the blasphemy of mixing their blood with animal blood as a mock sacrifice. It was, it was appalling. And this story is shared with Christ and a sympathetic and political reaction is no doubt what was expected to receive from Christ. But notice our Lord responded in a way that no one would have imagined. Hello. In verse 2, he offered no defense toward the assumed innocent Galileans that were killed. He offered no condemnation for the actions of Pilate or his representatives. He offered no outrage over Roman occupation. He offered no uh, plea for revolt. Christ simply, to the surprise, no doubt, of everyone around, lumped these Galileans and all Galileans and, in a sense, all people in the same category. And what's that category? Sinners. And to understand this text, we need to see things as God sees them, church. And the bottom line is that we are all headed to the eternal judgment of God unless we embrace repentance. Amen, pastor. Oh, that's a, that's a message that's not preached these days. Christ is not being callous with his response. He's being truthful. How many like truth? Oh, I love truth. He's being truthful because how many know there's no one, regardless of their assumed goodness, that's going to make heaven by their own merit? And in God's eyes, in the eternal state of things, no one based on their supposed innocence is going to heaven. And just because a person died in a war, just because they died on 9-11, just because they provided for their family, went to church, won citizenship awards, donated money to charity, how I many know none of them are in lock for heaven? Because no one, Christ reminds us, no one deserves heaven on their own merit. Broadway, we need to understand that. No one deserves heaven on their own merit. We are all, how many know we all started out as sinners in need of forgiveness? And we don't need justice. We need grace and mercy. And the good news is, God made a way through His grace and His mercy and His forgiveness is freely available through Christ. And the way we, re we receive Christ is believing on Him and repenting of the sins. 
Look at verse 3. I tell you, he said, nay, no. But unless you repent, you'll likewise perish. Story number 2, verse 4. What happens here? Well, probably something having to do with the construction project or repair of the city wall, it looks like. Most likely, maybe an aqueduct leading to the pool of Siloam. Somehow, this tower that was under construction collapsed. And due to its fall, 18, perhaps, construction workers were killed. Now, the common Jewish, this Jewish assumption based on this freak accident, was that God's judgment rested on those 18 individuals. Oh, they must have been worse sinners like those Galileans. Divine judgment had fallen. How I many know we still think this way today to some extent? pretty corrupt man, we hear that he dies of a sudden heart attack, and oh, we chalk it up to the judgment of God. Perhaps a godly woman dies in an automobile accident, and, and many suppose, hmm, I wonder if she had some hidden sins. You know that's true. After the terrorist attacks of 9-11, there were some prominent television preachers who said the attacks were God's judgment on America because of certain things that were being allowed that were not used to be allowed in our country. More recently, another prominent television preacher pronounced that the, the bad earthquake sometime back in Haiti uh, was the result of a supposed pact with the devil that the Haitian people had made during a slave rebellion back in 1791. Now... <clears throat> To be sure, Scripture does speak about certain tragedies, some caused by humans, some by nature, as being a visitation of God's judgment on people or nations. But here's the thing. It's difficult for us as humans to sort out what is and what isn't. Still, that often doesn't stop us from trying, does it? But here Christ confronted the notion that this tragedy at Pilate's hand, a human cause, and the tragedy of the Tower of Siloam, a natural cause, were direct punishment of these people by God and that they were therefore greater sinners than the others. He very, he very distinctively refuted that notion and called everyone to individual repentance. Personally, I believe we do a great disservice to Christ when we think we can read the mind of God and determine when His judgment falls upon certain people. And according to this passage, I believe it's clear we need, we need to stop doing that. These 18 individuals were not worse sinners. Christ made that clear in verse 4. They died because of God's mysterious providential actions. They'll never know on this side of eternity. Christ ends the debate by saying that the goal is just to wake up. Wake up before it's too late 
and repent and accept the free gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. This point is reiterated by Christ down in verse 5 when he tells us again, I tell you, unless you repent, you'll all likewise perish. Christ says we all deserve death, and when death comes, it will be too late to repent. Without Christ, we are we are under God's limited temporary mercy. With Christ, we are under God's unlimited eternal mercy. I'm going to go with Christ. And Christ warned his hearers that they were all in danger of perishing except they repent. In other words, there's only two options. Somebody say two options. There's no alternative, no neutral position, no third way. It's the same for everyone. We are all in danger of perishing unless we repent. That's pretty dire. Maybe so, but Christ proclaims it as true. Think of it this way. If you're traveling on a road that has a bridge over a river and the bridge is out, what's going to happen if you keep heading that direction? You're going to drive off into the river and probably most likely drown. But if you see a sign that says, danger, bridge is out. Or somebody flags you down and warns you and you turn around, you'll be saved from perishing. Right? That is exactly what repentance is. It's simply turning around. Without Christ, we're headed the wrong way. So we have to turn the right direction. That's what God dealt with my heart this week. Somebody needs to make a turn. It's more than just being sorry. It's a genuine change of mind and change of heart where we turn away from our own direction and start embracing God's. We repent of specific sins, yes, but even more than that, we repent of the root of sin, which is our own self-will, our own self-worship, putting ourselves in God's place. Christ says it this way, simply repent or perish, only two options. And Scripture teaches us in 2 Peter 3.9 that God doesn't want anyone to perish, but He wants everyone to come to repentance. And Jesus made it clear, sin brings death and destruction and perishing, and unless we repent, we will all alike experience the ultimate consequence of our sin, which is eternal separation from God. The only remedy, Jesus says, is genuine repentance. Hallelujah. I'm glad there's repentance available in this house today. Now, I remember reading, how many know who Warren Buffett is? One of the world's richest men. He announced some time back that he would donate 85% of his 44 billion fortune to five charitable foundations. And commenting on this extreme level of generosity, he said this in an interview. He said, and I quote, he said, this, <clears throat> he said, there is more than one way to get to heaven, but this is a great way. Did you get that? 
There is more than one way to get to heaven, but this is a great way. In other words, being generous. Now, how many know we like generous people? Why, if Warren Buffett wants to write Broadway a check, we'd say, God bless him. But how many know you're not going to give your way into heaven? Hello? How many know that God's not impressed with our man-made attempts to earn His favor? And whether it's giving our time, our money, or a surplus of systems that we commonly call religion. Listen, God is holy. We were born sinners. All the good works in the world will never remove our sin nature. Only Jesus can do that. And he will make us righteous before his Father. And if we are to have any hope in this world, it's going to be contingent upon Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Taking the first step towards us. He not only took the first step, he'll take the last. Listen, his love and his mercy and his grace sent him all the way to the cross and he's the one who took our penalty for sin and through faith in him we can receive his righteousness and total forgiveness somebody ought to say I'm thankful I can be forgiven praise God we can we can avert our destiny in hell And live with the promise of heaven thanks to the grace of God. How about it this morning? Have you really repented? Oh, this is simple, but this is what God laid on my heart. Saying, How many know He knows what He's doing? Have you really repented of your sin and put your faith in? 100% in Christ. If you haven't, you can do that today. Maybe I'm talking to somebody that's joining us online. You may be halfway across the country, or you may be listening in another country. Have you repented? Oh, will you join together and say, God, I'm going to choose the option of repentance over perishing oh hallelujah how many so there's only two options huh now i gotta close here oh my your roast is burning i just caught a whiff of it but as i i i, I opened it and i said christ was always reminding his people his hearers his followers that got limited options. And he does it again in Matthew 7, 13, 14, where he says it this way, enter ye in at the straight gate. Wide is the gate, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. Many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Somebody say two options. There's only two. One gate is wide, with a broad road, one gate is narrow with a narrow road. What's that mean? Imagine walking 50 yards on a high school running track. How many know 
I, I think that's pretty doable. I think everyone in here could probably do that. Now I want you to imagine walking that same distance, 50 yards, not on a running track of a high school, but I want you to picture a tight rope. Hello? That's suspended 100 feet in the air. How many know that's a narrow way? Right? How many would agree? And how many would say that's much more difficult? Well, that's the idea here. One road... God's road is narrow. And it's going to take some devotion. Right? The other road, the road of our culture, very wide and easy to travel. How many know the way of the world can sometimes seem so much easier? In the world, just live like you want to live. It's life. Make your own decisions. So much of our culture revolves around pleasing us. If you don't like the way your nose looks, plastic surgery. If you don't like your marriage, leave it. I'm talking about the culture we're living in. You don't like your pregnancy? Abort it. Hello? If you don't like your gender, change it. Oh, help me preach for just a couple more minutes. Hello? The way of the world seems so much easier because it's always just do what you want. But how many know that is what Satan is selling our generation. But Christ gives us a choice between two and only two paths. One path is associated with the world and it ends in death. The other is associated with God and ends in eternal blessedness. I choose eternal life. How many in here choose eternal life? Praise God. I'm closing. Take your hymn book. Musicians, you can go ahead and come. Uh, take your hymn book. I want to show you one more area in which, if you remember, there's a hymn written from another story of Christ who once again simplified our options. He simplified it this time between sand or the stone. He said it's between the wise builder and the foolish builder. Stand with me as you turn to page 116. This hymn is taken from the story of the wise and foolish builder. And here it is in, <clears throat> in page 116. Like what it says. On Christ the solid rock I Stand. All other ground is what? No other options. There's no third place to stand. You're either standing on the rock or you're standing on the sand. It's either repent or perish. 
It's the broad way or the narrow way. Listen, Christ made it simple, didn't he? On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. I want you to sing it as we close. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood, His righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ this, oh hallelujah. All other ground. All other ground. I want you to see verse 4. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground. Oh, on Christ the solid rock I stand. Oh, let it, let it ring from your heart. It's true. Hallelujah. I want us to slip out of our seat. I want you to come. You say, but I don't need to come. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You need to make it. If you're not praying for yourself, you need to make it easier for the person beside you. And I think it's easier if we all just move, take a step forward. Take a step forward. There's repentance here in the house, and I feel the Holy Spirit leading somebody, somebody. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's here in the house, maybe it's online. God wants you to just call out to Him in repentance. You say, but I come to church. Uh -uh -uh. I'm not talking about coming to church. I'm not talking about coming every Sunday. I'm not talking about giving in the offering. I'm talking about repenting. That is a turning, a turning from your own way to the way of the gospel. That's what he's wanting somebody to do in your heart this morning right now. Go ahead and turn. Go ahead and turn. Just cry out to him. You can say something like, Lord, I turn away from my sin. I turn to you. I place my faith and hope in you and you alone. In the work at the cross and Calvary, the blood of Jesus is my theme. It's my salvation. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody's going to leave standing on the solid rock this morning. Somebody's going to leave standing on solid rock. Hallelujah. On Christ the solid. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah.